Hello, and welcome to Regrets I've Had a Few. I'm Paul Hunter, Artistic Director of Told by an Idiot, and this is a podcast where I talk to friends and colleagues delving into what made them the person they are today. Hello, and welcome to this Christmas edition of Regrets I've Had a Few. And my guest is one of the funniest actors I have ever worked with, had the pleasure of working with. She's also one of the most honest and one of the most inspirational. Star of stage and screen, uh, welcome Lisa Hammond. Uh, thanks, Paul. Funny as well. You've set me a high bar there now. Well, I did. I did. Thank you for that. <laughs> but you don't have to be funny for the next 25 minutes. And also, just have to say, Paul, you can't say inspirational to a cripple. Uh, you can't say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, you can say inspirational as my personality. Oh, course, that's my shining that's, personality. That's exactly what I meant, Lisa. And uh, That's what, exactly that's, what I thought. Exactly. So we're off to a flying start. With the <laughs> now, we were joking before this started, saying we've had to contrive this podcast in order to see each other, which yeah. is kind of true. But if you don't mind, yeah, I'm not going to totally. I'm not going to dwell on the last eighteen months and how we've all been and all of that. Yeah. I'm going to jump right in with a festive yeah. a festive opener. Okay. Can you think of one gift that you were given as a child at Christmas that you absolutely loved? Oh. I'm sure there was very many, but what pops straight into my mind is the garage because I was really obsessed with like cars. And <laughs> um, so I got this like multi-story garage that had like a little pulley on the side to get to lift the cars up to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the ramp, you know, it would go down. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved that gift. And yeah, I was a bit of a tomboy, oh. probably. And can you think of something that you regret being given? Something. Something I regret being given. Or were they always top-class gifts? As a kid, probably not regret. But people that... I think I went... Well, I'm quite a crafter. You yeah. know, I love craft things, right? So <clears throat> I think a lot of people at some point, probably when I was in my 20s, would give me a lot of gifts that, like craft making kits and stuff like that and not only did i have tons of them but they would sit on my shelf and would produce such an amount of stress <laughs> in me that i couldn't do them so the thing that was supposed to be the joyous thing which is like sitting down doing a nice little crafty thing became in my eye line seeing them all to be done almost like your inbox <laughs> it became like it became like my craft inbox and i used to be like instead of it so i just had to either throw them away re-gift them or put them somewhere that wasn't in my eye line just because it would stress me out like the nice thing was really stressing me out i think that's brilliant i i also remember on the subject of people may be trying to give something that someone really wants, but it's not quite right. A friend of mine once said when he was a little boy, he was desperate to have a Leeds United football top. And okay, I think, yeah. you know, maybe times are a bit hard. So on Christmas morning, he opened it and it was a Leeds United football top, but his gran had knitted one with, <laughs> with, 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 with the badge and everything, which... Try going to, that, try going to school with that on, mate. Exactly, I thought... What a terrible situation to, oh, to be in. Bless well, we'll come back to Christmas because uh, we had a very special Christmas together when we did Beauty and the Beast. So we'll touch on that mm. a bit later. But 
as I was preparing, I realized you're the second guest I've had who has been in the cast of Grange Hill. Yes, 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 of course. So I chatted to Aisha, and one thing that Aisha, yeah, yeah. you weren't the same time though, were you? Uh, no, I think I think she's younger than me. I think we we possibly might have crossed over a bit, but yeah, she's younger than me. So I was like before yeah. her, I think. And, yeah. and we've obviously talked about this before, but one thing I wanted to ask you, which is kind of something Aisha said, she said something interesting where. She said that the, the, the fictitious school of Grange Hill was actually more like her real life than the school she mm. went to. And I just wondered yeah. what, what was that like for you in terms of what your real school was like and what, how that compared to Grange Hill? Well, it was quite, um, yeah, I remember it being such a kind of big part of my childhood. I think it filmed about six months of the year, if I remember. So for that block of six months, you, yeah, it was like, because you were long filming days, you know. Yeah. So you were there, you were there 10, 10 hours a day or 11 hours a day. So, um, and you had your tutoring. So, and obviously, you know, everyone hated that bit because it's like, <laughs> you know, what, you couldn't wait. You were sitting in the tutor room, like trying to do. And also, you know, like, because everyone's in different schools, obviously, You've all you were all responsible partly to bring your own work from your own school in, yeah. but of course no one really did it. Like, and everyone was like just concentrating on the easy bits of their <laughs> schoolwork. Or, and I used to have the extra thing. I mean, it was true as well, but I probably did use it a bit. There was a room that was attached to the um, tutoring room, which it was like a dressing room, like an adult dressing room with a bed in it. And like every time I wanted to get out of the schoolwork, I'd just say, I'm really tired. I'm really getting tired now. Sometimes I was actually sometimes I was actually tired in pain, but sometimes I was just like, I can't be asked with this. So I just go go in a dark room by myself and have a nap. And how old how yeah. old were you when you started? I was thirteen wow. when I started. So yeah, um I they the script writers and producers were looking for a disabled character yeah. and they did like a kind of tour of um, special needs schools in uh, London. Like they did assemblies and stuff in all these different schools around the country and showed an episode of Grange Hill. And they were looking for, uh, you know, they were doing the rounds of the acting kind of vibe of young people schools as well. But I don't think there were many crips in that context. Mm. So they had to kind of widen it out. So, um, yeah, and I was, you know, I'd never, I'd never even done a drama lesson in my, in my life. That wow. wasn't a part of my schooling. Wow. Um, that wasn't a part of my schooling, but they showed the episode in the assembly and I was really mouthy about how awful the episode was. <laughs> and, like, and I was like really insulting them basically. And it was a bit, yeah. So I got an audition, um, which I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know what an audition was. And so learnt the lines, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, got down to like five or yeah. 15 people and they cast the um, character that they wanted in the show, which was the disabled child. They cast Francesca Martinez as that character, but they wrote me a character as well. So we, we got, they got two for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> and was that character kind of based on you from what they'd seen of you or was it completely different? Yeah, I mean, she was quite, she was quite, I mean, Grange Hill, you know, there, there wasn't like a, a massive kind of different, 
context of what they wanted. Like they did, you know, they wanted you to be a normal school kid. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, they they kind of cast me as um, as that really. But I remember one of my first scenes. I think it might have been my first ever scene. I was I my character Denny had to play the drums. She was in like the school band, yeah. and of course down my local youth club in my real life the hole in the wall um, <laughs> is that what it's called is that what it was called the yeah, hole it was in the wall it was called the hole in the wall <laughs> love i used to love that play it's gone now gentrification yeah of course it's, ran by you yeah uh, live, living in living in old street yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all changed now um so i i remember i i had a little bit of drumming skills but very limited very limited and they said i was playing the drums but the thing was is that I couldn't play the drums and talk at the same time. <laughs> so I was like going, and you're, and you're out of the band, Jacko. Oh, I couldn't get it right. Like, but I remember even then getting it totally wrong and all of that, looking around me and being on set and thinking, okay. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Wow, that's that just completely went bang. That's it. That's amazing. That sort of struck you in that moment. Yeah, I was like, this is my forever passion now. That is that is yeah. amazing. And then, am I right that once you came out of that, was that when you started? When did you first do theatre? You know. So I came out of Grange Hill when I was. 15 sort of nearly 16 and then you see the thing is I've got such a bad memory I'm going I'm really going to try now and um, 15 16 then I was too kind of late for the kind of, I I was I felt like I didn't really want to go to kind of I had to redo my GCSEs mm. for a few reasons I was in a special needs school that didn't have very much facilities and oh, I won't go into that because I'll depress you <laughs> um, but um but basically I went to college and did a BTEC yeah. for a couple of years. And then I was on the cusp of kind of thinking about applying for drama schools, like proper drama schools, three year course thing. And I sort of was getting bits and pieces already. And I had an agent yeah. and I was getting bits and pieces. And I thought, well, why would I be going to college or to a drama school to do the thing I'm already doing yeah, like yeah. I was doing stuff on the side like courses on the side about different things you know different parts of acting and stuff so I just kind of thought all right I'll just give it a go and then that's when I sort of uh, started to kind of uh, hang around with a few people from Grey Eye and then I got my first theatre job which was uh, Fittings the Last Freak Show oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I when I was I think I was my early 19s yeah. and then my second ever theatre show was with you guys oh uh, yeah that's right I'm, shoot me in the heart well, uh, I remember that and it, um, when I was 20 yeah, yeah. that's that's right tw tw 20 <coughs> 21 years ago yeah two uh, yeah, yeah um and I remember vividly that because when Haley and I decided that we wanted an actor like you <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. and then we didn't know necessarily how to go about that and then yeah. we, uh, maybe my memory says you might have been recommended by Grey Eye. Maybe we spoke to Jenny. I feel that. I can't remember I, how. I, I don't know how the, the link, must have been a link. Or someone had seen, someone had seen me. Yeah. I feel like. Someone recommended yeah. you to us to, that we should see you for yes. sure. And then you came to Battersea Arts Centre to see us. And, yeah. and I remember that meeting vividly because 
you know, it, it doesn't happen very often when you're meeting and you're trying to cast something. But both Hayley and I were in complete unison in that moment for the story and the character of Carlotta. Mm. It was just like, well, it has to be her. Then we thought, oh my God, I hope she says yes. <laughs> and the... Well, I remember, Paul, that day, that day I was so knackered. I was like, I, I don't know if I can be asked to go to this casting, whatever. But luckily I got my ass in that cab. And all I remember, because it was a workshop yeah, audition, right. yeah, if yeah, you remember, yeah. obviously, which is very idiot. Yeah. Um, instead of like, you know, your 20 minutes, blah, 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 talky, talky. Um, and I remember doing the exercise with you where we had to sing a song whilst dying yeah. down the wall. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to swear? You can beat that. No, 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 don't worry. No, no. And, and that's, I think that was the other thing that struck us was how, you know, brilliantly you took to the ideas and, and what we were trying to do and what and and and, the, and what we were gonna try and experiment with i suppose and then i look back actually at that company of eight of you i think was it a cast of eight yeah it was our yeah it was it was like quite that. a big show for us it was our first bigger show that we'd done we'd always been yeah it. before oh. that we'd always done three handers and then suddenly oh, of course, yeah. yeah and it was a big show as well because me and Haley obviously weren't in it and loads of people went mm. oh that won't work if you're not in it <laughs> and I remember me well because you'd become defined yeah. by your skills yeah, and your two exactly yeah. and I remember being Hayley going surely we it can't just be about us two we must have yeah, created yeah. something that doesn't hinge on just us so it was like your first experiment yeah almost, it like was widening it up and, uh, and, and uh, oh, I'm very well, no and also all of that extraordinary cast well of course two mm. casts as well because you know I I vividly remember, of course, not only making it was such such a joy with you and, and your kind of not just your kind of embracing of everything and the, and, the, and the physicality, but your kind of subtlety. I remember a moment when Ian Johnson brilliantly wrote the piano piece that Carlotta plays in the story and, and uh, um, that sort of stuns the village, you know, for the and yeah. we were trying to find a way. How do we do this? And then I remember Ian's music was so beautiful. You, we just got a point where you just simply rest. You picked your hands up and you simply mm. rested them on your own knees. And mm. that was the concert. Yeah. And it was so simple and really yeah, moving. And I thought your instinct around stuff was so strong. Even if, oh, even yeah. if it felt sometimes somehow new, you had a real feel for it, I suppose. Um, oh, I loved every minute of it. I, I mean, I was, you know, finding Told by an Idiot and and working for you guys it, at that time. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not underestimating. It completely changed my life at that point. It was, it was a, a whole new world, like a split in the matrix went <laughs> and just like opened up. And I was like, oh, we can do things like this and we can be playful and we can smash like comic up against tragic and dark and light and I, I came home every night from rehearsing that and performing that like on cloud nine well it was it, it showed was it showed time. it showed in your performance and I one thing actually I remember the not enjoying so much was a year later you'll remember you all went off to Mexico took the show there <laughs> and, and uh, Haley had to step in because Leslie brilliant yeah. Leslie couldn't do it uh, and yeah. Tristan stepped in for the brilliant Enzo and sadly and rather frustratingly by the time you went to Mexico we had opened a new show in England 
So I remember speaking to you all on the phone in Mexico City while I was in Weymouth, in a, yeah. in a pizzeria in Weymouth, thinking, <laughs> how has this happened? It's my own company. I mean, no offence to Weymouth, any Weymouth listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but it, 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 it was funny because I've still got the, like, you know, the old school, obviously non-digital camera, the actual photograph of us on the phone box oh. with you. <laughs> from Mexico and I think it's Annie in the background yeah. or, or someone's in the background holding like one of the Mexican puppets it was like really <laughs> I love to dig it out for you Paul yes I'd really like cool. to see that and then of course obviously from that I think partly also I think from the the, the, the time when Haley played your mother in that show the brief time in Mexico yeah. and France there was clearly a real chemistry there and then yeah. Haley said I'd love to do something with Lisa and I think it's a brilliant idea and you remember we we, we we scratched some work with just the two of you at the mind that's Festival, right yeah. wasn't it and, yeah. and then we kind of realized maybe we needed more people and and it emerged into one of my favorite shows of ours a little fantasy um yeah great with show. a brilliant team you and Haley and Jed and Rachel and the sublime Jane Gurney. I only have to. Yeah, I only yeah. have to think about Jane doing that scene from that Jimmy Cagney film. Oh God, <laughs> hysterical! And it's still hysterical. one of the funniest things. But your relationship with Haley was so tender and so yeah. touching, and and also it was a joy. Also, you know, <laughs> Frank McConnell teaching the two of you that tap routine. <laughs> oh my god yeah and that and then we because it was like the set was like bleachers yeah, wasn't yeah. it like wooden bleachers yeah. and our feet our actual feet were hidden behind that's right from the and he recorded himself and, doing it didn't he <laughs> yes yeah, so we had the sound of the really fast tapping and then me and Haley developed this kind of like uh <laughs> uh real kind of um one-upmanship between us friendly obviously one-upmanship and we made this thing like every night we'd go anything you can do i can do less of <laughs> so <laughs> so instead of like like mimicking his tap like in our bodies we just do it in like our eyes i know it was amazing it was like it yeah was, it was a great it show. was brilliant but also i mean you mentioned this and you you and, and of course, it's it's not something you dwell on, or but you touched on it earlier. It was a very physical show for you as well. Very much physical. when I look back on that, I, I, yeah. much more physical than than shoot me. For you, your role oh, in that God, was yeah. really demanding, and and I and yeah. I remember it was difficult. You know, sometimes physically yeah, for you, it was. it was a really hard show, and that's that. I thought, wow, that to put yourself through that night after night. Yeah, Jed used to have to carry me. Yeah, didn't he? like as soon as I end. As soon as I exited the stage and got off the out of the door, literally Jed used yeah. to like scoop me up and like carry me to the yeah. dressing room. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't. It was so good that show. I so enjoyed it, and I had to put my bucket in the uh, head in the bucket of water. Remember, <laughs> and do uh, and do the Timothy flick of my hair. Do you remember? Yeah. So I'm not only I was not only in agony, but I was absolutely soaked yeah. by the end, like a drowned rat. No, no. Oh, I loved that. No. Yeah, it was a great and, show. And also, do you remember that bit where when we had the kids in? I was talking to someone, a friend of mine, the other day about this because as we entered the stage for about four minutes, there was like this sequence of coughing. Oh yeah, that we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like like there was kind of uh, almost like a musicality to our coughs. And I remember coming on and it was like one of the um, shows that was like five or a ticket kind of vibe. And and we came on and like a couple, about 30, 40 seconds in, 
there was this girl sitting right in the front row. And you know, like how people think they're looking at the TV, not the theatre. Yeah. And obviously we can hear them, but they don't think and this little girl, this girl went, what is going on? Everybody is clapping. <laughs> And she was like really perplexed. Like, I do remember that. What the hell? I do remember that. Now, obviously, you've done many shows with us, and as it's Christmas, I I I have to um, talk about Beauty and the Beast at the Lyric, mm -hmm. which it was such a joy to make. Such a again a wonder, yeah, wonderful, right. wonderful company. Um, but I also remember. I don't I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. I remember. Mm -hmm. Because uh, obviously you have such an extraordinary energy when you're in a rehearsal room. But I remember, I think we were about to go into tech and I, we bumped into each other uh, walking across from the tube and coming out of pret a or something. And we, uh, you didn't seem your normal self. And I said, you're right. And you yeah. said um, something like, my memory says, I'm just a bit worried about how mm. kids might respond to me being beauty, something like that. Mm. And yeah. I remember going... In that moment, going, I've just got to be completely honest, and I went, I have, I have no idea how they yeah. how they're going to respond. I, I don't know. What I do know is that you are a brilliant beauty, and there's something so. That's why yeah. I meant about honest. There's something so honest about how you play that role that my hunch is they will love you. Mm. But I really yeah. admired the fact that you kind of articulated that. You you said actually, no, I'm not. I am having doubts. Um, yeah, cool. Because sometimes you think, oh no, I better not say it, or I better not, you know what I mean? As an actor, yeah. you think, oh, I better get on with it, and actually, but that well, that's testament to, to to the room that you run as well. That's you know to be open and honest about, you know, we had we had conversations, open yeah. honest conversations about because I I um, half used my wheelchair because yes. I get chronic chronic pain and fatigue because, and that's why I use a chair. But I also am four foot one, so like there's the kind of oh she's a dwarf but also the, the the invisibility thing about the pain is is hard to kind of express so i sometimes use a wheelchair and sometimes don't and in that show because of where i was at i knew and because it was a long run yeah. long big stage long playing time big stage big big company all of that i knew that i would have to use my chair sometimes and not my chair others and i remember us having a very brutal yeah. conversation about when to introduce the chair yeah. when i do the scene in the chair and when i don't yeah. and what that says about the story and what it doesn't so um i also remember as a result of that conversation like you you saying look i'm gonna have to use the chair in the show yeah. and that's fine and, and you're right but it also as a result it resulted in two of my favorite moments in any idiot show one of which where the brilliant naomi wilkinson uh, design. Oh no, it wasn't Naomi, was it? It was Michael Vale. Um, Michael, Michael Vale's yeah. first show, and you had to follow the Nightingale to the Beast's house. So you were in your <laughs> yeah. wheelchair, and we designed a Nightingale that was on a, the a wire and attached yeah. to your head. And I thought that was yeah. brilliant. But the key moment for me, I remember thinking, we have to find something like the equivalent in the Disney film where the Beast and Beauty mm. share something. And mm. we tried to find what that was, and your chair was on stage. So I invited Leo the Beast, who was in mm. one reality 300 years earlier, to yeah. explore this thing, this object. Electric yeah. Thing. And then you yeah. brilliantly came in and caught him in the chair, and he went to get out and said, No, no, it's all right. I'll show you how it works. Yeah. And, the, and you teaching the Beast when it was in manual and when it was electric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was absolutely beautiful. So funny, but really tough, yeah. but really tender as well. well. It brought them together, yeah. didn't it, in that moment. I remember having like, I remember having slight 
concerns about that it being a bit sentimental but i really trusted because i know you and the company mm. is not sentimental mm. and you and you have quite a keen eye on that i kind of um was able to kind of let myself trust that that was funny or trust yep. that that was a nice moment yep. because i did have a little bit like oh is that really weird or is that too like wow <laughs> But you were like, no, 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 no. no it's in, it's, it's in. in. I knew, I knew <laughs> that, I knew that, and 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 it, and it is a joy doing Christmas shows. They are, um, mm. they are special things. Yeah, I yeah. loved working at Christmas because yeah. it meant you could just go, oh, I'm working. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't get to the party. You can, I can't uh, buy the presents. You, I'm working. Yeah, you can escape. And yes, and then of course you know amidst all this brilliant theatre, not just with us, uh, but with you know the brilliant Improbable and other companies, you found yourself in one of Britain's biggest TV shows. I mean, that must have been yeah. extraordinary, wasn't it? I mean, when you first started yeah. that job, it must have been like I can't, I can't imagine. I, mean, I don't, you know, because I've been, I, I, you know, theatre has been a huge part of my life, and namely with uh, Todd by an Idiot and Improbable as well. You know. Uh, and other theatre uh, shows and companies as well, but I've always done TV on the side yeah. um, in over the over my career. But that was the first kind of well, not only the most regular because I was on it for four years. I ended four up years, it. wow. Um, four, yeah. And then, but yeah, like the institution that mm. is EastEnders is so kind of huge isn't yes. it like so it was incredibly intimidating going in to something like that and i you know and everyone once you get to kind of settle down in it you realize that oh okay because it, it's like a massive wheel turning constantly because they've got so much content to to get out and people are busy so when you're new you arrive and you're like i don't even know where the toilet is like and then you get buddied up with someone and then it's okay but yeah it's a whole different level and people treat you very differently and did um, did, did you feel any kind of responsibility you know going into a show like that yeah. or, or did you or were you able to kind of go no it's just me playing a part sort of um, responsibility how? Well, I mean, what? in terms of, you know, you mentioned about the, you know, Granger wanting to have a disabled character in oh, the like show. Oh, like representation yeah. kind yeah. of did stuff. That, was, uh, was that yeah, normal? I mean, I, I did I did feel that, and I had a lot of chats with them pre me joining that, the show, about um, how I didn't want to become kind of a vessel for the issues, if you see what I mean. I didn't want to become the character that was bringing to the table the the disabled perspective let's say obviously i am disabled so my perspective includes that including my characters but i didn't want to be the um the sole person that the that storylines revolved around that so yeah i did feel a bit but then you kind of get to it's like anything you have those fears and you get it, yeah. just being in the body that you're in you know because you feel the weight of your community and because we're quite far behind yeah yeah, <laughs> quite, quite. I'm under it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be there. It's it, going to be there anyway, isn't it? Yeah. But you do, you do feel responsibility to others to kind of go. You know, well, there's not much of us out there still, and so when you're in it at the pinnacle or the forefront of representation, you think, oh God, I hope I'm getting it right, or hope we do good, or I yeah. hope. But that must be a pressure as well, to a certain extent, is it? Or, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, it's te- it's it's terrifying because you know it's like any minority or any outsider or any person that is trying to kind of go you know just please see me as yeah. a whole round human it you you feel like it should be the case that our taste is what drives us but so for example i could i I could watch a drama with a disabled character in it or a deaf character or neurodivergent learning disabled character in it and go actually it's not their performance i don't like it's just not my taste yeah that drama is not my taste or if i watch someone in a soap or if i watch someone on a comedy series but unfortunately because we are so far behind in representations what happens is when there's like one kind of visible person on tv or in in the theater you go they've got to do it all yeah almost yeah, yeah. like so you're looking at it thinking oh well they've missed a trick or so i know i do it so i yeah it's because we, we're the lack of visibility across the board really i think yeah it's interesting i mean you uh, uh... Uh, I'm about to say something that is much more glib in a way, but because you were on because you were on EastEnders, did you ever get any kind of offers to do uh, reality shows? I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I don't know, whatever it might be, or or did that? No, I here's the oh, see. I'm going to now bring your glib down to the past reality. Yes, um, <laughs> um, which is often, for example, right? There was this. There's this thing. So I've I've been offered. Oh, you'll laugh at this, Paul. <laughs> I've been offered. I've been offered Mastermind a couple of oh. times. Celebrity Mastermind, yeah, which yeah. of course immediately turned down. <laughs> um, uh, it's just not my. It's not my area. Yeah. Um, uh, but basically, like for example, <laughs> so especially the female actors yeah. in EastEnders and in any soap, right? Yeah. You get these gifts. You get gifts sent to you, yeah. right? And usually they're like gorgeous products, like makeup, tops, clothes, award dresses, whatever. The one gift I ever got from being on EastEnders was a bunch of vitamins <laughs> from a doctor. <laughs> Bo- bone, bone <laughs> density, bone density vitamins. Oh God. <laughs> It kind of encapsulates the the representation of disability, doesn't it? Oh my god! Like, I was like, I was like, obviously, I this doctor, very gorgeous letter, absolutely wrote back to them. Was like, that is so unbelievably sweet of you, whatever. But I was like, fake, obviously, like going around going, where's my mascara? Where's my award dress? I don't want vitamins. But it, it's it's oh my god, that is so funny, Lisa. Um So yeah, I just wanted to say like the the, the offers are not as readily no, no, no. coming to your door no. in the in the bodies no. that we're in rather than the kind of I'm sure classic. I'm sure. Uh, but it did that did make me No, laugh that a lot that is funny. And... Also it makes me slightly think about the brilliant show you made with your dear friend Rachel, no idea. Mm which I often find myself talking about it when I'm running workshops, you know, as an example of starting from nothing, which you, you not only started mm-hmm. from nothing, you made a show about not st- having yeah. anything to start from. Yeah, yeah, the very yeah. show was that. But when you mentioned the thing about the bone, it was, it did the, the amazing thing of being really funny, properly funny, mm-hmm. and then quite political in a ra- mm-hmm. roundabout way. 
Mm. But, you know, I, my memory of that thing where, because of those of you who don't know, listeners don't know, it was an amazing show that Lisa did Rachel, where they, they asked people in the street, if you were casting us in a show, how would, what show would it be and how would you cast us? Yeah. And the, the most funny and also shocking thing was when you ended up on the sidelines, not really in the show. Yeah. Whilst, Ra- mm. whilst Ra- Rachel, mm. you got further and further away from your... There was two, two iterations of that show. The first one was No Idea, and then the second one that we did more recently, Recently, was called Still No Idea, and in both iterations of those show of that theatre show, when we went out to the public and asked them uh, what show we could be in, they could imagine everything for Rachel and basically wrote me out of the show. <laughs> in both, in ten years apart, those shows were ten years. And apart, the same thing happened. In both in in both experiments, the same thing happened. That is so, extraordinary. Yeah. Extraordinary. Because yeah, um, because they, people find it hard to imagine. Well, that's it. But that's a really for me. Well, that's what's interesting when you go the, hard to imagine, and you kind of go, theatre is fundamentally about the imagination. If that's fundamentally mm-hmm. what it is, yeah, it's just about reality. Absolutely. It's about imagining something, and that yeah. is really that is very telling. Um, theatre's a lot more moved on, I think, as well, well. than. Ma- maybe still in, in certain ways yeah in some yeah. ways it has hasn't it i suppose in certain sectors i would say of theatre not all kind of traditional no 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 types, but, but... maybe in certain as you say certain places it, it's become a bit mm. more um lisa i could talk to you all day and, and we will talk oh, all day beautiful. however uh, we have to come to a close shortly and what i'd like to finish with lisa if it's all right is i'm going to ask you yep. eight questions they're all got a christmas theme cool. And yeah. you just have to respond uh, with the first response that you have to these questions. Num- number okay. one, mince pie or Christmas pudding? Uh, neither, but Christmas pudding. Okay. Home Alone or Muppets Christmas Carol? Oh, Home Alone. Oh. What, any version or just the original? The original. Original, yeah. Uh, champagne or margarita? Margarita. East en- <laughs> EastEnders or The Queen's Speech? EastEnders. Oh, I have to think about it. Um, giving or receiving? Giving. Uh, he's behind you or, oh, no, you didn't? Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, Merry no, Christ- you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone, by Slade, or Last Christmas by Wham. Merry Christmas, everyone. The most wonderful time of the year or can't wait till January? Oh, can't wait till January, without doubt. <laughs> Lisa, it's been absolute joy. Thank you Thanks, so much for Paul. coming on. Have a lovely Christmas, and let's see if we can at least raise a glass exactly. at some point now or in January. That would be lovely. Love to all. Paul. Take care, mate. And to you. Thanks very much, Lisa. Bye bye. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed this idiot podcast, please spread the word 